Hey, welcome to the Juice Bar Experts podcast, where we are going to give you tips, tools, strategies for launching a new juice bar or scaling and increasing the profitability and efficiency in your existing juice bar. I'm your host, Andrew McFarlane. For the last 10 years, I've been in the juice bar business, running my own juice bars, as well as helping hundreds of entrepreneurs all around the world launch successful juice businesses. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome. I hope you guys are feeling amazing. I'm feeling great, as always, grateful. Today is a very special episode. If you are, which I hope all of you are, uh, if you're interested in what you can do as a business owner to reduce your negative impact on the environment and ultimately make your business more sustainable, then this is the episode for you. We are interviewing none other than Will Richardson, who is the founder and managing director of Green Element, which was founded in 2004. He created this with the desire to help as many businesses as possible go green. Will is an early pioneer and early adopter of many of the now mandatory environmental standards that exist. He's a visionary, he's an inspiring leader, and he's also a current board member and former chairman of the Metropolitan Branch of CIWEM, which is the Chartered Institution of Water and Environmental Management. This episode is enlightening. It challenged a lot of my base assumptions. We talk about packaging, glass versus plastic, and really what you guys as business owners can do to save and help the environment, but also save your company's money. Enjoy. Welcome to this episode. We have a very special guest with us, Will Richardson, who is doing something quite interesting. Um, to be honest, I haven't spoken to anybody who's in this line of work, and I know you've been doing it for quite a while, uh, but Will is a environmental management consultant. So, and I hope I don't butcher this for you, Will, and please feel free to jump in if I uh, get anything wrong. But in essence, Will is supporting other businesses in becoming more conscious and to reduce their negative environmental impact, which I know a lot of you in this audience are aware of and concerned with. Uh, and so we're here to bring Will on today to really hopefully enlighten a lot of you on the things that you guys can do uh, within your companies to reduce your negative impact on the environment. My first question for you, Will, is how does someone get into this line of work? How did you start doing what you were doing? <laughs> um, I, don't, I guess under, wanting to understand business more and knowing that huge amounts of businesses waste resources, waste a lot of what could be spent and money elsewhere um, to put it into a um, reality. Uh, if you've got energy, for example, lots of people waste their energy. And why are you spending? If you've got it, if you've got, I mean, a large building, five floors, there's probably £120,000 a year on electricity, £40,000, £30,000 mm. a year on um, gas. They are probably spending, um, they could save 20% of that just by being better at managing their building. And that is a lot of money. Right. That's like £20,000, £30,000. And if you think about that yeah. as a wage, that's one person's wage. And... It's just a waste. And I think I just so interested in trying to help organizations be a bit more efficient. Yeah. So it sounds like there's there's kind of a dual benefit, right? It's beneficial to the company, which is an obvious no brainer. Hey, you can save money by doing very simple things. And it's good for the environment because there's less energy consumption. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I guess I, my, I did an undergraduate degree back in um, the late 90s and that was in how people perceive the effects they have on the environment whilst partaking in sports within a particular area in Scotland and mm. uh, so I've always been passionate about sustainability and for me they're just tied together and it was kind of like the perfect job I mean I am literally doing the job of my dreams it's that's amazing, really <laughs> that's amazing also relate to that from a personal level in our audience because people who are starting juice bars they're 
doing it because it's a passion that they have. And I think it's beautiful to connect with more people who are doing what they really love. And so how long have you been doing what you're doing now? I set Green Element up back in the early 2000s, so 2003. Um, so quite a fairly long time, coming out to 20 years now. Uh, yeah. And do you find that there's more, that people are just more receptive to what you're doing now? Because I feel like 20 years ago, there was a, a level of consciousness around the environment, but I think that that has only continued to progress with you know, all the conversations about global warming. Do you feel like the what you're doing there's a just a larger audience at this stage there is right at this very moment in time um if i if you were to spoken to me two or three years ago i would have said no and i and i would have said 2008 there was probably more people wanting to be more sustainable uh when lehman brothers um crashed and we had that whole massive financial crash back in 2008 the sustainability agenda was mass was just taken off the table and it was really quite strong at that point. And we really did see organizations around the world just putting a lot of emphasis into trying to be more sustainable. And then the financial crash happened and people just were scrambling around trying to work out how they were going to feed their staff, you know, get new clients. And their just focus got taken off. And I guess in some ways that's actually quite a good thing to have happened because when with covid and with what's going on in the world now people i think many people have learned from their mistakes then and when actually that didn't help us at all we almost went one step forward two steps back by not concentrating on sustainability and we're seeing mm. a real uptake now in sustainability and we've well, i mean it's we've doubled uh, um, you know, we've du we've doubled our company in, in COVID times. It's bizarre. Wow, it is interesting. I think that I actually did another podcast interview recently with a former client of ours in LA, and they're doing the best sales that they've seen in the history of their business. They've been open for three and a half years in this pandemic, and so I think, uh, you know, pandemics as as you know challenging and as unfortunate as they are in some ways there's all of these sort of ancillary effects that people sometimes can't uh, measure they don't realize and it sounds like people's need for uh, more efficiency has led them down a pathway of of seeking out your services which is really really profound um do you find that m most of the motivation is that is it mostly economic or are you finding that you're working with people who have the intention of just strictly the environmental impacts. And so they're, they're coming to you for those reasons. I think it's a massive mixture. I think that, um, I, I would actually say on the whole, it's usually people want to be more sustainable. Um, I think that is probably the common theme, but then there are absolutely the larger, the business, the more elements there are around. Um, yeah, actually we could save some money here, but that's the, mm -hmm. um, I was going to say bean counters, but you know, financial people, um, looking at it. And that's not, that is actually a really good thing because it means they'll actually put more money into it anyway. So they've got yeah. more, um, they you get more buy-in, but I would say there's been a massive shift over the last 10 years to we're doing this because it's the right thing to do and their staff want it. They, um, right. would be very, they wouldn't be able to employ people if they weren't thinking about sustainability. So a lot of the newer graduates and people coming into work are now looking at companies and going, I mean, I'm speaking very, very UK centric here, but sure. uh, I know that graduates in the UK are not wanting to work for organizations that aren't sustainable now. I think the general sentiment and the awareness that people have overall is has been accelerating and leaning more in that direction. I feel like people, and, and it's not just even around sustainability. I think it, it's overall impact. I feel people are just motivated to work for businesses that have more of a net positive impact. Um, mm -hmm. And so I guess, and this might be a hard question to answer, but I'm always curious of the drivers, you know, do you feel like companies are becoming more aware of the sustainable narrative for consumers and so uh, you know a lot of it is do you feel like there's people moving more in this direction too because not only the staff members have the motivation to work for businesses that are more sustainable but consumers have the motivation to buy from other businesses that are more sustainable you know have you seen any kind of measurable impact there 
or are you just kind of having a sense for that as well? Yeah, no, I think people are. I think absolutely people are. Um, we, the, yeah, I just, it's, it's, it's amazing how many more, I mean, I, I honestly thought that back in 2005, 2006, I thought that we wouldn't be in business in 2020. How naive was I? Because I thought that everyone would have sustainability in their businesses. Why would you even need an external consultant or need external advisors to help you? because you're doing it and but i now i do see more and more i mean the fact that i'm talking to you you know you you help organizations set up juice bars and you are talking to someone that helps organizations become more sustainable who mm. would have thought that 20 years ago that that conversation would be happening and so i think we are getting there now and we are finally starting to see everyone just embracing sustainability and realizing that, I mean, what was it? um, Unilever brought out a report a few years ago now that 50% of their companies are in the purpose-driven and sustainable space. And those 50% companies that are are growing 50% faster or something, you know, something like that than the other 50%. So, Unilever are very much as an organization going, actually, we need to be putting all of our organizations into understanding sustainability, thinking about the packaging, thinking about what they're selling, thinking about the chemicals they're putting in, just thinking about yeah. everything in those organizations. So therefore, and they, they've learned a lot from Ben and Jerry's. And right. Ben and Jerry's is seen as a really, really kind of, they were allowed to do whatever they wanted as an organization because mm. they were a big corp, they were sustainable and Unilever just went, let's just what they're big enough for us to just watch and see what happens and they can continue. They will continue growing and Unilever mm-hmm. are going, well, if that's the case, then we really should be doing all the other companies like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think ultimately it does come down to consumer demand, right? Because at a certain point, yeah, you're going to have a lot of business owners who have a, a level of altruism inside of them to do things that may not help their bottom line but if if they're having a a, if they're lessening their net profit because they're willing to invest in let's say some sort of packaging that's more sustainable that's going to hurt their ability to grow right and Mm -hmm. it's going to hurt and i think we kind of you know things in certain industries reach a tipping point and i think that we're i don't i can't really say where we are on that spectrum but i feel like the acceleration for more companies to do these things is a byproduct of consumers just being aware of what they do. And I think a big one, for example, in the juice bar world, and there's a lot, but you know, uh, around the packaging is, is whether they use glass or they use plastic, right. And glass having, and, and also I'm curious of what your perspective is on this because there's more, there's more than just glass and plastic. There's obviously post-consumer recycled plastic. There's compostable things that people can use. Um, you know, do you have an opinion on in respect to packaging if glass is clearly the better route to go? Um, and is there any other things that someone might be aware of or need to be aware of in terms of maybe where they're sourcing it from? Um, you know, do you have kind of a clear thought process around the best and most ideal packaging for the environment for food service businesses? Funnily enough, we have just done a podcast with a guy called Chris Diarmit, and actually you should potentially talk to him because he spent a year of his life looking at plastic. And I've, for one, um, rather appalled at the way that we have dealt with plastic. Mm. I think I don't understand. I just don't understand why we are so negative against plastic because Mm. plastic is recyclable. It can be recycled six, 10 times. And then once it's, once that cycle has been gone, you can, reduce it back to um its liquid state and then recycle it again and you can just continue recycling plastic you can burn it it's the only product that you can have that you could actually use it as a packaging and then use it as an energy and it's one for one right so right with glass there's a huge amount of energy that goes into making glass and it's used once it's not as sustainable at all 
And um, I met Chris through my network and we just got on really well because he could yeah. academically prove a lot of my thought process. And um, so I think you need, you do need to be very aware of the environmental impacts of using different materials and um, plastic isn't always the worst option. And um, do you, yeah. do you, do you have, uh, cause, cause this is all great. I think it's, it's, it's somewhat enlightening for me. I'm curious as to, cause I've heard statistics, which I don't know, and I'm obviously not the expert on this, but um, where the rate, although plastic can be recycled, what's the percentage of plastic that's actually recycled? Is it, is it now a campaign, not for business owners, but for consumers to change their habits? You know, how much of yeah. it actually is being recycled? There lies the problem. You have literally just hit, hit the nail on the head. The problem isn't plastic, it's us. It's right. we, the consumer, are the problem because we are just chucking it away. We're not recycling it. We right. should be concentrating our efforts onto recycling much, much more. And quite honestly, it's the, and actually I'm, I'm interested to hear your opinion on this because you're um, dialing in from Indonesia. And so therefore, um, one of the things that's coming to light is the North America and Europe are very strong on recycling. We're actually very good, mm. but we are mm. hammered the most by um, people like Greenpeace or um, environmental NGOs about um, being environmental and recycling. Whereas it's actually many other developing countries that are much worse at recycling and oh, yeah. um, they're not being hammered at all because they don't have the money to be able to give to the campaigns. So right. we're almost made to feel worse in Europe and North America, when in fact the problem isn't in our backyard, it's in other people's backyards. And I don't have a problem because we are definitely wealthier nations. So I don't have a problem with pay, helping pay for um, that education and that's um, the recycling facilities. But let's be honest about the um, conversation. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I can definitely speak from experience and, you know, I've done some volunteer work out here and clean the beaches and, and known that they just, honestly, it's, it's an education piece. It's also an infrastructure piece, right? Because you need the facilities, you need the people. I mean, even for me here in Bali, they don't even have like a lot of places don't even have trash, um, you know, local and, and community trash, uh, vehicles that come and pick up trash is something we just take for granted in America where, yeah, you put your trash out, you put some in the recycling bin, you put some in the other trash bin and compostable bin, and then people from the city come and pick it up. That only exists in very few places here, but plastic is able to move in terms of its distribution network farther, which is sort of the, if I was to say anything that it's important for us to be grateful for is like plastic has allowed us to ship things all over the world in you know, light packaging, it's very malleable, like you said, there's a lot of benefits to it. And I think it's important for us not to become so binary in our thinking that something is good and something is bad. It's a really a matter of understanding what are the pros and cons and how do we need to evolve with our relationship towards these things? Because um, things are oftentimes not as simple as we make them seem. And so uh, I think that in particular in the world of health as well, one part of the conversation is plastic can be um, toxic to not just the environment if it ends up in the wrong place, right? Ends up in the ocean and fish are eating it. And it's, you know, that we know that that's an issue. Uh, but also for humans, right? When you're drinking water, you're drinking juice, plastic, because it is made from petroleum tends to leach it off gases, right? So there, I think that, you know, if we do continue in this route, especially for food products and things that humans are going to consume, there has to be an awareness of, you know, what are the actual physical impacts? Because we know that um, plastic isn't the best thing for, you know, your body. Yeah, no, I, yeah. And I agree, but it's, um, and it's, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I know I that's not, um, well, but, <laughs> yeah. Something else that I see a lot of juice bars do is, especially if they are using glass, which I think definitely has a huge impact just in terms of shipping, but, a lot of clients we have, they do have sort of a reuse programs where they'll have incentives for their customers to bring bottles back. They re-sanitize them. They use them again. Um, it's good for their operation because they don't have to keep purchasing 
you know, anything from anywhere. And I guess the other thing too is, and I don't know the answer to this, but you know, how many times do you have to use a glass bottle for it to sort of off, uh, put the impact of purchasing a, 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 a plastic bottle, right? Which can be recycled or, you know, is it 50 times? Is it a hundred times? Is it five times? Right. I think that those, I think there's a lot of things in this whole conversation that are kind of hard to quantify, which is part of our issue in, in this whole journey is like, we have, we can only see so much of the puzzle. So people are like, yeah, I'm using glass. It's like, well, the glass comes from Mexico or China, or someone says, oh, I'm using a uh, compostable plastic. And it's like, well, that's used from a uh, monocropped GMO corn or soy field. Right. And so that's having negative impact because it's being sprayed chemically or it's, you know, we know what monocrops do to the lack of diversity in the environment. So there's all these factors in this kind of wheel of life. And we sometimes isolate our thinking into one element and we say that it's good. Whereas to me, I'm sort of humbled and overwhelmed by the complexity of, of layers of all of, all of it. Yeah. It, I think that, I think it's probably varying more towards 50 times um, and upwards just as a gut feeling and from knowledge with right. regards to plastic and glass reuse. Um, and I think it probably is more, much more. I mean, glass is, if, it, if you're to melt glass, I think that it's, it's a lot hotter than plastic. And that's, and right. that's where the, that's, you know, that's where the crux of it is how easy is it to be able to manipulate that material and mm -hmm. uh, you can, you can melt plastic at 100, 200 degrees, but it's thousands of degrees and it's getting, it's the amount of energy that you need in order to get that temperature up. And you have to be incredibly efficient with the, um, with that as well. And I mean, that's, that's where the problem is with steel and moving from coal and um, oil powered stations into renewables because they are only just getting to grips with how to smelt um, metal at very, very high temperatures and right. using renewable technology because it's just, it's really, really hard. It's really hard. You need foss fossil fuels for that. And I'm not advocating fossil fuels at all in the slightest, but um, we, I think we need to be very aware of where, where we are and what we use. I mean, I, I've always had a problem with, us and I know we're going completely off sub topic here in some ways, but um, I've always had a problem with the fact that we are using up all of our oil reserves in a hundred years, two hundred years, when that's just wrong. What about our great 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 etc. Um, grandchildren and future generations? What are they going to be using? It's like we don't care. It's like we're going. Oh, you know what? We're just going to use it all now. And actually, we're going to use it really badly. We're just going to do it. We're just going to put gasoline in cars and just be really inefficient when we know there's techn better technology out there. We're just going to, to do all this stuff just really inefficiently. We're not going to recycle all the plastic. I mean, if the, mm. the amount of landfill sites that probably have so much energy just stored in them, just sitting there, you know, and they probably in years to come they'll they'll be excavating landfill sites in order to get energy um, back. But you know we're just right. I think we're just really lazy and we are really inefficient and selfish as a you know as people. Gosh, I sound really negative, don't I? Um, and I really don't mean to be because I think there's a huge amount <laughs> that's of okay. stuff that's going on. And I and I live in a very positive world where where. Um, people really do care about sustainability and I live in very much the, the kind of sustainability bubble mm. you know we, we're a B Corp as well so um, everyone I speak to cares about sustainability cares about the environment cares about people and they don't want to they want to do the right thing and I do and there is definitely this massive cultural shift going on and you see it I, you see it in North America, particularly the US and um, the UK, with our current um, leaders. And you can see that cultural shift almost um, happening in front of our eyes with who we've got as leaders, because there's this massive kind of back mm -hmm. backlash, and the backlash are the leaders. And we will catapult forward in four years time five years time because we'll have learned oh we didn't want to go down that route 
what are we doing thinking listening to that 30 percent of the population and actually we they're not the most intelligent the the people are the forward thinking ones and um and you're seeing that with biden you're seeing that with some of our leaders in the uk coming through now and i think um right i think it's interesting i think it's really really interesting and i think we're in a really amazing transition yeah i think that um sometimes what happens it feels to me like it like there's just degrees of convenience right and and how inconvenient certain people are willing to make their life because we're born into a situation where there's all this infrastructure right and a consumer has to make the decision every time they buy something am i going to spend a little bit more on that sustainable brand and packaging i'm already stretched enough right financially and so this is why i think sometimes people who make decisions for environmental reasons more or less tend to be progressive they tend to be a little bit wealthier they can afford the inconvenience right it's almost like we 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 have to be afforded it seems a luxury of being environmentally conscious and some of it for me feels like because there's not a, enough incentive built into the government there's not enough incentive um in terms of rebates and there are there are some that exist obviously but i think the more that we move into that direction of incentivizing the right habits the more we'll see consumers take those actions because it makes financial sense and it's no longer just strictly convenient but uh, a detriment to me it's both good for everyone mm. yeah i have uh kind of diving more deeply and i don't know what do you find that you work with companies in a particular category is it mostly like large corporations with big buildings or do you work with food service businesses what kind of spectrum of companies do you find yourself working with a massive massive spectrum so i mean we're lucky because we um are one of the leading experts on um carbon reporting so we've got a we've got a carbon reporting software can pay footprint which um, wow. helps organizations um carbon report and actually it's free to anyone under one million pounds one million or one million dollar turnover so um yeah anyone listening please do log in get your carbon footprint for free because we're trying to help organizations understand that footprints but um we work with you know people like fever tree doing um life cycle analysis um we um, work with quite a few different organizations um in the food sector mindful chef um one in the uk um and so as well as large organizations down to very small ones because we've got our online training academy we've got online coaching um and so we're able to cater to so many different um levels of business through our service offering and if i'm being honest it's kind of a business is a business it, mm. if you're in food great but actually you are still able to carbon report you're still able to minimize and you're still able to understand the impact that your product be it a pencil case be it a apple being grown or be it a um you know juice juice bar you're right. still you've still got that impact and it's that way of thinking that you want to have and when we recruit consultants and people that are helping these organizations we actually don't particularly care about the experience they have what we're looking for is that passion for sustainability and that passion for helping an organization become more sustainable because if you've got that mindset the rest of it the knowledge can follow and we've got you know we've got the skills um in-house to be able to train people up we've got the tools to be able to help people do it and so it really is a case of just nurturing that passion and um pushing it through because and that's what we need in every single organization in the world are is everyone thinking about it and we would mm. be a much better place with it yeah i think that when you're a business owner and you're actually especially kind of speaking personally from my experience in owning food service businesses it's it's kind of it kind of blows your mind how much stuff goes in and out of every company right the amount of produce that a business will go through you know we're talking about hundreds of pounds of produce a day right packaging everything has and you start to see wow there's so much you know there's enough to think about as a business owner as it is and it can sometimes be overwhelming um but there are things that i know a lot of our customers and clients and we have also intended to implement 
my my next question for you is, you know, what would you say to a juice bar owner are the kind of most high impact but low um, sort of uh, impact for the business in terms of what are the easy sort of low hanging fruits that they can take on? Uh, is it packaging? Is it where they purchase their product? But what are the things that are going to have the biggest impact on the environment in 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 their business? I would turn that question on its head and okay. ask them what their what their drivers are, i.e., what is driving them to be more sustainable. Is it themselves? Is it money? Is it their customers? And once they know that, then they will be able to highlight the low hanging fruit in each of those parts. Um, I would right. ask them to process map um, their business. So customer comes in, you've got your juice bar. It may be an online juice bar. So I, I, know, I don't know if that exists. I don't. So um, I'm just trying to cover all eventualities. But if you've got, if you process map the customer journey through it, and then you've got the things going in. So for example, let's pretend someone walks into a juice bar and orders a juice. Are they, what are they ordering? Okay. So those things are they ordering? Do they need to be organic? Do they need to be from a local distributor? Do they need to be from a local farm? Where, whereabouts are you geographically? Are you able to be able to do that? Um, what are the drivers? Is it, is it the customers wanting to have local produce only? Or is it the customers wanting to have organic produce? Um, have you mm. thought about the environmental implications between the two? Because obviously, if you're in a um, metropolitan area, then potentially the organic will be better than the local locally produced because of the travel that has to be happen for that produce. Or if you're, you know, if you've got a local farm that produces the apples, then they're not organic. Then that actually may be the better way because farmers really don't like using pesticides and chemicals, um, particularly the more local ones, because they that it costs them a lot of money. It's, it does cost money to do it. So therefore, you know, and um, have a look at who you're buying it from. So, and then are they sitting in? Are the, Do predominantly sit in? Do they take away? If they're taking away, what kind of takeaway service do you have? Do you, do you have the glass that they can bring back? Or do you, is it plastic? Where are you buying the plastic from? And all the way through. So processing right. your uh, journey all the way through. And then once you've done that, you can then highlight the areas that you want to focus on. And it may be that uh, money is um, an option. So it could be that actually you could be buying cheaper um, plastic receptacles um, from somewhere else because they're thinner and they weigh less. Or And that would also be more sustainable. Or is it that you've actually got a very large juice bar and your energy consumption is really quite big you are of the mindset that all the lights should be left on overnight because it shows that you are you are there. Um, maybe you should be thinking about changing that and looking at the base load of your energy so you, you understand exactly how much energy you have to have running in the background. And it will probably come down to just bridges, I would hazard a guess, and some small electronic items, say, like your cash till or um, other other aspects of the building um then you know and it's 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 looking at your business holistically and right. um working out what those drivers are because sustainability is actually not just environmental management sustainability is everything and um it may be that you want your you want to pay your staff more because you are set up in a low-income area and you want to help drive change in that area and by doing that, you know that if you pay your staff 20% more than um, the people around you, that would actually make you a really good employ employer. Therefore, the better people would come to you. But then you also know the knock-on effect would be that other people in the area would start going, well, I want to get better people. So therefore, right. they'll start more people. And, you know, and it's thinking about everything and it's thinking about what drives you because we can't all fight every single battle. Right. And... It just you just need to work out what battles are your priority and go with that and stick by your convictions. Yeah, to me, it seems like, you know, if you can tell a business owner, hey, there are things that you can do to save money, 
slash therefore make money and it's better for the environment to me that's a no-brainer you know no one's going to no one's going to turn that down i think it's only when you start to get to the realm of needing to do things as a business that are going to be moderately inconvenient for you maybe from a process standpoint or from a financial standpoint that you really have to think okay well what's the upside of this and can i can i maintain this with just the sheer economics of my business um and then also i think as well you know, for it, I really loved your answer because it made me, it, it feels like, it feels very similar to the way that I answer questions. Because once you see very deeply inside of something, I think sometimes people want simple answers, right? But you realize you know too much to to tell them that it's simple. It's not just, you know, hey, buy organic, great. It's like, well, it's circumstantial. There's so many factors. And, and first, it has to be reverse engineered from your specific goals because if i tell you to do this but that's not ultimately your goal then that might not be the best thing for you do to do in the very first phase because it to me i think it's also something that's kind of progressive uh, uh progressively implemented into a business um so the more efficient and effective a business becomes the more it has the ability to become more efficient and effective right so you have to kind of build momentum and so uh but I, I wonder if there is anything that's tangible that we could give our audience in the sense of let's assume that their primary driver is the environment, right? It's not so yeah. much the cost. They don't want to, it's yeah. like, yeah, they want to make money, but yeah, I really want to be conscious of my environmental impact. Is there anything on a more tangible sense that we feel like we could offer? Yeah. Look at your energy. Um, your your energy is far, so therefore your energy um, will probably be high. Whenever you procure something, think about um, the life cycle of that product. Don't buy the cheapest um, item. It notoriously is the um, you know the worst item to buy because of the fact that it probably won't last long. Therefore, it's a bad cost benefit analysis. Um, there's actually a um, company called Buy Me Buy Buy Me Once or Buy It Once. Um, Tara Button is the CEO and founder of that, and she's trying to get people to understand what products people should buy, and um, have a look at have a look at your packaging. There may be better options out there that are more sustainable, and um, it may be that you are going to be paying more for that packaging, but it may be that your customers actually prefer that, so you end up with more business coming through so just because you're paying more for something doesn't mean it's 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 worse for you and think more bigger picture when you're buying things and when you're looking at things yeah i i I find that that's always one of the really profound things and it's important for people to remember that everything you do as a business that has that generates a positive outcome is potentially a, a a marketing avenue for you. It's something that can make your brand and your business unique. So even if you are spending that extra 15 cents or 25 cents on that kind of new innovative cassava packaging, let's say, right? But nobody else is doing that. That becomes a talking point. It becomes something that you can use in your social media marketing, your you know other campaigns that you're doing to differentiate you, to express really the the integrity and the the kind of consistency of brand values throughout. Um, which actually brings me to my next question. Are there any, because I've seen all kinds of interesting things out there around people making spoons out of like uh, vegetables and things that you can eat and then people making plastic-like substances Mm. out of things like cassava. You know, what are the kind of latest trends you've seen in packaging um, that have kind of better sourcing and, and seem more sustainable? Anything you've come across? Yeah, I think the one that you're talking about with that you can eat is, is an Indian manufacturer, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's fascinating, and I don't know enough about it. But what I what I do know is we've got a problem um, in the UK, and I would imagine it's not just UK centric. This um, there are a few people producing, say, compost compostable materials. Um, so they're making um, compostable materials out for plates and mugs and cutlery. But they're actually not, they're commercially compostable, not um, residentially. Uh, uh, There's probably a better uh, way to put that. But you can't just chuck these items into your own compost in your garden and do it yourself. Right. You have to go to a commercial right. compost. Um, and we don't have that many in the UK. 
I think we've literally got two. So therefore, this company right. is uh, producing an awful lot of um, material, and everyone's going, "Oh, I'm going to buy that," but they're then going, "Well, I right. just I guess it's compostable, so therefore I'll just chuck it in the general waste," which is really bad because it produces quite a lot of methane, and um, therefore it's actually yeah. worse for the environment to do that. So I think with with everything, it's what is the disposal process and it actually comes down to life cycle analysis and, and your life cycle of that product um how are you going to dispose of it because businesses and i uh, businesses have to pay for waste disposal and um mm-hmm. therefore think about that as a cost don't just go think have it as a um oh well that happens anyway because you can reduce your waste cost quite considerably by what it is that you're buying right and i'm sure you're familiar with this term greenwashing right um (laughs) which which and i I, you can probably correct me if you have a better definition but in essence my understanding is that it's the idea kind of like brainwashing but we are making something seem as though it's sustainable it seem as though it's good for the environment and kind of in uh, similar to the example you shared yeah, you have a company and it's commercially con- compostable, but what's the reality of being able to do that? And you can't throw it in your backyard. So there is this perception of something being good as opposed to it actually being good. Um, and I think the sometimes the amount of information that we almost need to have is overwhelming. Not 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 that the information itself is that complex once you gather it you know what are, are there any resources that you can point people to like where's where's the best place for someone to go without you know going into the abyss of google to sift through all of the complexity around the decisions that they're going to make to really understand the impact because i don't think a lot of people are empowered enough to have this information what would you suggest someone does in order to really find out the best the best decisions for their company um and I know that, I, and I'm honestly not trying to sell us, but have a look at our website, um, greenelement.co.uk. We've got a huge amount of blog articles around this and we we are there to help organizations on this um, journey. And um, we also have a p- podcast that we interview people in different industries and um, we look at what they're doing environmentally and pull out all of the good stuff that they're doing so therefore other people can listen to um, what it is they're doing. And we have had food um, people on there. Um, and, it, I mean, you've hit, you kind of, it is hard. It is really hard because you, you do end up in the kind of the whole Google thing. There's a lot of good government organisations out there and um, not-for-profits that do have a plethora of um, information that you'll be able to draw draw down on. Um, there, in particular areas, you know, there's, um, and I can't think of any off the top of my head, without, we, I know we've got in the UK waste ones, and mm-hmm. uh, I think the UK is probably quite a good place to try and search for stuff like this, because we've been, right. we have been doing it for quite a long time, and I'm not, I'm not saying, not kind of saying that anyone else does, but it's also English speaking. So therefore, if your audience is um, English speaking, because we're speaking English, um, that uh, I don't know that. Uh, <laughs> but um, so therefore, maybe search in Google UK only, and yeah. you'll probably have quite a lot of stuff that comes up. Because I know a lot of our government organisations do put out a lot of free advice on this yeah. as well um and we have a lot of quangos um which are kind of government subsidy charitable not-for-profit organizations that work in this sustainability space and have been for a good 20 plus years um yeah. therefore there's a lot of um info out there um but yeah i it's and i think it is hard there is no one um one stop shop for this information because it's complicated it's not it's not an easy fix yeah i mean we're basically talking about the use of energy right and that is that's one of the biggest conversations that drives humanity's evolution right we're not just talking about packaging we're talking about what is going to allow the species to continue to exist and to exist in a way that is sustainable and 
ultimately also hopefully regenerative, right? Because we're aware of the situation as it is and sort of the momentum that we've created environmentally. And the fact that I have actually my, my brother-in-law and very, very close friend, they started a nonprofit called Kiss the Ground. Their whole um, objective is to teach people about soil regeneration. They actually have a, a amazing documentary with Woody, Woody Harrelson that's going to be premiering on Netflix on this September on the 22nd of this month. So September 22nd. So um, definitely check that out. I've seen it and it's amazing. But this is sort of like the evolution in the conversation around going beyond sustainability to regeneration because like definitely we have to sustain ourselves, which is have have been challenging enough. But um, a lot of people don't know that soil sequesters carbon through the um, kind of microbiology of healthy soil. So this is kind of another... um, uh, incentive for people to understand the importance of buying organic, but also getting farmers to the point where they go beyond organic to regenerative, where they can actually uh, build soil again and have healthier yeah. food, more resilient food, which is important, right? Because the reason yeah. that people are spraying food with pesticides to kill the pests is because the kind of we can call it like the immune system of the plants is being broken down because the microbiology in the soil is the thing that keeps the plants healthy and keeps their immune system strong so they don't get attacked as easily um, from bacteria and, and all of those things. And so I think, you know, to 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 what we've been saying is it's 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 such a multi-pronged approach, right? It's not just packaging, it's not just purchasing. It has to do with literally every aspect of our life. And I think um, I don't want people to get overwhelmed and do nothing. Uh, but I think the best thing that we can all do is kind of take it piece by piece within everything that we are aware of and to seek more information, to reach out to people like you, uh, to have these kinds of conversations and see if there's a way that you can help them in their business or they can just gather more information from your blog or your podcast um, and just continue to seek things out because uh, staying ignorant really isn't an option anymore. And speak to your customers and speak to your um, speak to your staff, speak to the people you work with because they'll all have opinions um, or maybe not all, but you know, mm-hmm. a lot of them will have thoughts about what it is that you can do to be more efficient and to be better with, because they all know your business really well. Right. I guess down to crowdsourcing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, this has been enlightening for me. I've, I've been like really grateful for all of the um, nuances you've been able to share and how we can evolve our thinking in a way that's more dynamic and more specific than I think for me kind of walking into this conversation, I probably was slightly naive in, in having this idea that there's just, yeah, some things that everyone can do, you know, you walk, you know, you want to go upstairs, you like take one step, take two steps, but then you realize it's kind of, it's very much individualized. Everyone's situation is very unique and everyone's goals are very unique and that it needs to be addressed from that place. And there is such a grand opportunity for us to really question things a bit more, right? And not just get sold on the idea that something has a certain label, like it is compostable or it's post-consumer recycled plastic, but there's there's layers to the conversation and we would all benefit from kind of going one or two layers deeper into it all uh, to ultimately understand, you know, it's, what is our impact? Is We're told so many different things by so many different people and it's, it is really hard that, you know, you're not alone out there. And you're not, um, yeah, you're not alone. Don't feel, I know that there's an awful lot of people that do feel exactly what you just, there's too much to, there's so much that they don't want to do anything. And that's why it's so important just to, if you're going to process it or just concentrate on that one thing that's important to you, and then it will actually work from there and it will work out. Yeah, I think it's a good lesson for life, to be honest. I think so many areas of life and even with people starting businesses, everyone wants to kind of swallow the whole cake in one bite and that just is never going to work. You're going to choke. And so with sustainability, with starting a business, you really have to take it one step at a time and say, what is my next step? Not is not, you know, I want to change the environment and people think, well, I can't do it. I'm one person. It's like, well, you can do one thing, you know, you can start composting or you can change the things that you purchase or you can turn your lights off a little bit more. And if a lot of people do little things, it's going to have a massive impact. And so I think that that's the mentality that we need to instill in people to ultimately create change. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What you said. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Will, it's been amazing. Um, Where can people find you and learn more? I know you did mention some things, but maybe if you just want to share with them um, 
are there, you know, how can people get in contact with you? With you? How can people find more about your, your, the work that you guys have been doing? Um, more than welcome to email me, william at greenelement.co.uk. Um, I'm always open to talk to people. I think that this is such an important subject and um, I love, to be honest with you, I love talking to people about it and helping people. Uh, we have a online community on Facebook, but we're actually moving over to um, Sustainability Solved, which um, if you email me, I can tell you more. And that's a free resource that you'll be able to network with like-minded individuals um, trying to green up their companies. And you, you will then be able to um, you know, understand what it is to do. And if you if you come across something and go, oh, I need to do that, you can post it. And it's all about environmental management and carbon footprinting. That, you know, that is what, that, that is its niche. We're not trying to do anything else other than help your organization be more sustainable. Um, but yeah, I mean, greenelement.co.uk, email us, email me and phone, phone us. Just get, get in contact. Um, we're on Twitter, Green Element. We're on, you know, we're on all the normal social media um, channels and Compare Your Footprint is the carbon footprinting resource that you can use for free as well if you're under a certain size. But it's also not very expensive if you're not, you know, we are talking only £399 or right. the equivalent in dollars. We work in dollars, yeah. euro and uh, pounds. So do just, yeah, just use those free resources out there. Just just get going. Start That's that right. journey. It's That's an exciting right. journey is and your the future generations will thank you for it that's right we need it is we really don't have another option right i think we just need to i always say that which is not sustainable will not sustain and yeah i think you know it's it's either it's either you build a new house or you stand in the house that's burning down and you burn with it and so those are our options um it's not even just a matter of it being nice and altruistic and look at what good people we are it's it's the smart thing to do so um, yeah. yeah, I hope people take that on. I hope people check out your podcast and all the work that you've been doing. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. It's been enlightening. I hope our listeners got a lot of value out of it. And, um, and yeah, looking forward to seeing how all the work that you're doing expands and evolves uh, in the years to come. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been, yeah, it's been brilliant. I love it. Love it. Love what you're doing. And yeah, thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Will Richardson as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you guys don't know, we run a full spectrum development firm. We can help you with everything that you need. So if you do need support launching your juice bar business, please feel free to reach out to us. You can reach me personally at andrew at startajuicebar.com or you can go to our website at startajuicebar.com. Would love to see how we can collectively make this world a healthier place. Our mission is to create more juice bars and healthy cafes than unhealthy fast food service restaurants and together we can make that vision a reality. As always, wishing you guys a lot of health, a lot of success, and I'll see you guys at the next one.